0: morning and welcome to a Saturday morning September the 25th edition of the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host Kurt Chamberlain along with your co-host Pastor Dick Chamberlain and we welcome you to another Saturday edition. Uh, Today we're going to be uh, studying about uh, well we're going to stay in our ongoing series on the mysteries of the gospel and there are several that we need to talk about and I believe today Pastor is going to be uh, talking about the mystery of the church, that's and that's quite an extensive subject, really. Uh, it would probably take us you know, a couple episodes to do this, so uh, we don't know how long this will take. We're just gonna, if we got to do two or three episodes, get ready. This might take a couple of Saturdays, you guys, okay? Uh, but but with that being said, uh, Time is of the essence. So, Pastor, Mysteries of the Church, please. All right. Thank you, Curtis. You're welcome. Uh, First of all,
1: by way of review, uh, the word mystery uh, never occurs in the Old Testament. It occurs in its singular and plural forms 24 times in the New Testament. And the word mystery is the Greek word musterion which means something that has been hidden in the past, but now is made known. Um, that definition you can find in Colossians chapter one. It says um, um, in verse 25, it says, wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. And that, uh, dearly beloved, is the definition of a mystery. Where do you get it? Colossians chapter 1. Actually, verse 26 is where it tells you that. And it goes on to say in verse 27 of Colossians 1, to whom God would make known. Mm-hmm. What is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of the glory? In other words, mystery never occurs in the Old Testament, but uh, over nineteen, but nineteen times in the New Testament, and so the mysteries uh, of God are being revealed and made manifest to us during this church age. And so um, today, we've, we've talked about the mystery of the gospel. We're going to talk about the mystery of the church. The church, that's a word that's never mentioned in the Old Testament. The word church uh, is, is the Greek word ekklesia, which means a called out assembly, and so the Church of Jesus Christ is a called-out assembly. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to talk about many things about this. We're talking about we're going to talk about the prophecy of the Church. We're going to talk about the proceeding of the Church, the the progress of the Church, the picture of the Church, the purpose of the Church. We're going to talk about if we get to it, the seven stages of the Church Age. We're going to talk about the perfection, that is, the completion of the church. When is the church going to end? And then we're going to talk about uh, something that I, one of my favorite subjects, which would probably take a whole podcast, the word paradise. And so uh, those are, that's your nicely alliterated yeah. uh, outline for today's lesson. And maybe on into next Saturday,
0: um, we're, we may have to do that to complete. As, you know, something strikes me with that outline. I mean, it is nicely alliterated. Yeah. But I, I, I think about when I was a kid staring at the dinner table. Yeah. And I used to say, man, that's a lot of peas. <laughs>
1: yeah, and
0: and I, it was not a good feeling, but I like that. Yeah, okay. Man, that's a lot of peas. I, did you ever
1: learn to like peas?
0: I, I will eat them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Notice, I said I didn't like them, I said, but I will eat. them.
1: That was my least favorite vegetable
0: when I was a kid.
1: Oh boy! So anyway, well, that's enough humor for today. Well, maybe not quite enough, but we'll, we'll we want to keep things lighthearted if we can. So let's talk about the mystery of the church. Now, where is the first mention of the church in the New Testament? Well, it's a it's mentioned in a prophecy given by the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, you, uh, um, you go to Matthew chapter 16. And we'll begin reading with verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? They said, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, or Simon the son of of, uh, Jonah, (coughs) for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. Now listen to this verse carefully because we're going to uh, take about a five-minute camp, set it up here and talk about this verse. He says, I say also unto thee, thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. So this is a prophecy. The church was not in existence yet. And and we'll tell you when it came into existence, but it wasn't into existence yet. And this is a prophecy. Now, uh, the word Peter uh, comes from a Greek word, which means rock. Yeah. And is is more clearly uh, translated the Aramaic word sethus. cephas. Yeah. yeah. But when Jesus says, upon this rock, I'll build my church. He wasn't talking about Peter because he uses a different Greek word for rock, and he was talking about himself. Yes. So, folks, and oh, uh-oh. I know, oh, oh, uh, uh, that that uh, 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 that our Roman Catholics, the church sentence? was not built upon Peter, no, it was not and he was not the first pope. The church of Jesus Christ, according to this verse, was built upon the rock, which is called Jesus Christ. Remember in Exodus when the Jews were out in the wilderness and they were thirsty and they needed water. Mm -hmm. And uh, and, uh, Moses went over and took his staff and he smote the rock. Mm -hmm. By the way, he smote it twice and he shouldn't have. But he smote the rock and out came water living water and in John chapter 1 John mentions this this situation and he says that rock was Jesus mm-hmm. and so this rock in Matthew chapter 16 verse 18 is Jesus Christ upon whom the church is built now, understand there was no church. There was no church yet. Mm-hmm.
0: Not until Acts chapter 2.
1: Until Acts chapter 2, and you're getting ahead of me again, aren't you?
0: No, just mentioning not until Acts chapter yeah.
1: 2. Yeah, he grew up in the house of a preacher. So uh, he has to know these things, and he does, by the <laughs> way. And so uh, that is the number one, the prophecy of the church. And so since Jesus said it, it's a done deal in the mind of God already. Acts chapter 15, verse 18 says, known unto God are all his works from the beginning. God always had the church in mind from eternity past. Mm -hmm. And it was always going to come to pass after the death, Burial. burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, Uh, That's the prophecy Mm -hmm. concerning the church. Now, what is the church? Well, we've already talked about it. It's a called out assembly. Mm -hmm. By the way, that indicates that we believers ought to regularly attend an an assembly where there's a pastor and some deacons. Mm -hmm. And where the word of God is faithfully and uh, and, uh, forcefully taught. In that local assembly, and if you can't find a church like that, um, uh, need to pray about it.
0: Being in, it's increasingly more difficult to find churches like that,
1: that's right. So, now let's answer some questions. When did the church begin? Oh, Kirk- I know, I know, yeah, yeah, you just said so, yeah, okay. <laughs> turn the book, turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts. Uh, You'll see in Acts chapter one that Jesus uh, appeared to many uh, in his resurrected body for 40 days, for 40 days. And then after that 40 days, uh, he ascended in the sight of some of his disciples. He went into heaven. Uh, And by the way, it's where he is now. Okay, so um, so so. In Acts chapter 2, we see these words. And when the day of Pentecost, Pentecost means 50. Mm -hmm. And so 10 days later, after Jesus' ascension, Mm -hmm. there were a group of people that were gathered. It says uh, they, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. You notice it didn't say unknown tongues? Unknown tongues is satanic. Other tongues... As the Spirit gave them utterance, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men under every nation under heaven. Now, this was noised abroad. The multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. Now, let's shorten this a little bit. And there were Jews that gathered in Jerusalem for the feast of Pentecost. You'll find that feast in the book of Leviticus. Mm -hmm. And it says, and they came from and there were 14 different nations mentioned a uh, people that were gathered there on the day of pentecost uh, and they were all amazed and were in doubt saying to one another what means this these people speaking in our tongues they uh, we hear them in our own tongues and we're understanding it what is this all about and uh, and Peter stood up and began to speak. And he said in verse 17, it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old man will dream dreams. And it goes on further in verse nine. I will show wonders in heaven and above signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And, and, and he says, there'll be a, a there come a darkness of the moon and, and, uh, the moon will be turned into blood and before the great notable day of Lord. And then he says in verse 22, "Ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, you as you yourselves also knew. Uh, and he goes on and he, and he, t- uh, he t- talks about David having preached the message, um, uh, in verse 28, the Holy Spirit has made known to me the ways of life and shall make me full of joy with thy countenance. And, and uh, in verse 31, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, and Jesus raised him up. And then, and, he's, and he goes on this message, and he says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel surely know that God hath made the same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts, said unto Peter, to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter began to preach, repent and be baptized. And then in verse 41, it says, and they that gladly received his word were baptized. Now, baptism doesn't save, belief does, but the baptism is an evidence Mm -hmm. of your salvation. And it says, "And the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls." And that's talking about the prece- the proce- the proceeding of the church, its beginnings and and, and its progress. In Acts chapter two, verse forty one, we see that there were three thousand people that got saved, repented, baptized. And they were, and they became a part of the body of Christ, and we'll talk about the church as a body in just a moment. Oh well, boy, this process continued, and we see in later on in the book of Acts, chapter four, verse four, and this is an important verse. It says this. It says this that uh, well, let's let's go back to to um, Acts chapter two, verse. Forty-seven, Acts chapter two, verse seven. They, they, these three thousand were praising God and having favor with all the people, and then it says, "This the Lord added to the church."
0: Yep. Well, can you Uh, can you imagine giving an invitation where three thousand people came forward? I
1: just can't imagine. (laughs) I just can't imagine. But I'd love to see it. And the Lord added to the church. Daily, every day. They were adding to the church such as should be saved. Now I wanted you to go to Acts chapter four, verse four, and we see that the that the, the, the multitude of saved people was growing exponentially. I mean quickly, and it was it was happening daily, and they were being added to the church. Which is the called out assembly of believers. And he says in Acts chapter 4, verse 4 it says, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. You see that? They believed. And the number of the men was about 5,000. Have you noticed that it didn't talk about women and children? Can you imagine the growth? Of the body of Jesus Christ, yeah. in the first century, in the very first months
0: yeah.
1: of the beginning of the church, and so the, here we see the progress of the church in Acts chapter two, verses forty-one and following, and Acts chapter four, of where there were eight thousand that we know of that got saved, and and, and now were a part of the church because that's what the Lord was adding to the church, the body of called out assembly. Now what's the population of the church today? You have any idea, Curtis, the
0: population
1: of the church?
0: Uh, I think the last report I saw, uh, out of the Barna group here in the United States. Okay. I think it was something like, I want to say, uh, over 90 million. Yeah, and
1: those are professing Christians. We don't know that all of them right, say, but right. uh, but but 90 million?
0: That's huh. I, I think that's what uh uh-huh. the estimate was. Yeah. Don't quote me.
1: So how many how many in China? Uh, we don't know, do we?
0: Well, they've got what? How many people live in there? A billion? <laughs> One and a half
1: billion people are okay. living in in China. So and then then what about Russia? Well, wow!
0: Well, Russia is predominantly a Christian country now. Oh, is that it?
1: right? Yeah. Okay.
0: It really is.
1: Yeah. Okay. We, by the way, we've been heard. This podcast has been heard in Russia in the Tomsk Oblast. By the way, that's easy. Welcome, for you to say. Tomsk. Yeah. Okay.
0: We're glad you're listening.
1: So what i what I'm getting at is nobody really knows the population of the Church of Christ today. Or how many there have ever been? That's right. We don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Boy.
0: For sure, glad. Pardon God me. knows how many. Yes, he's <laughs> the only one that knows,
1: <laughs> and God, and I've got it in my notes.
0: And he won't leave a single one of us behind. We don't.
1: We don't know, but God does. And so we've seen the progress of church, the population of the church. And the people of the church are only those who are saved. The Lord was adding to the church daily, such as were being saved. So only people who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ by grace through faith are members of the church. Now, in Ephesians chapter 5, let's turn there. Ephesians chapter 5, we see the... The picture of the church, Ephesians chapter 5, let's begin reading with uh, verse 22, and it's talking about a family, the family relationships. And he said, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. So when he's giving you the description of how the family should be, it's to be a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ's church. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to your own husbands. husbands you say you're going to lord it over your wife better not because look what it says next husbands love your wives even as christ also loved the church and gave himself for it wow sharon i'm supposed to love you that way Mm -hmm. i'm sorry if i don't always i'm human but i try Okay, verse 28, Ephesians 5 says, So ought men to love, to love their wives as they o- love their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. And then he goes on to talk about we are members of his body. Verse 30, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 30, we are members of his body. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, shall be joined unto his wife. They too shall be one flesh. And he's talking about, he says, this is a great mystery. In Ephesians 5.32. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. And so the picture of the church is like a family with a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, and children. By the way. The children are those who came into the family after the parents. And this is the way it should be with us. We should go out and win souls to Jesus Christ, since we are the mature ones and we need to bring forth children of belief. Now, so the church is referred to then in picture as as a bride look at john chapter 3 verse 29 john chapter 3 verse 29 it says he that hath the bride is the bridegroom and who is that it's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the bridegroom and he's talking about the people who are saved. But the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth and greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. and this my joy therefore is fulfilled. So uh, the church is talked is called the bride of Christ. In Ephesians 5:30 we also uh, we've already talked about the church being uh, the body and bones of the Lord Jesus Christ wow. We're the skeleton upon which the meat uh, resides and is, and moves and lives and has life. And so the church is pictured as a bride. It's pictured as the body and bones of Jesus Christ. And look at Colossians one verse 18. We'll go back to that. We read it. Uh, earlier, and so um, now we're moving along uh, a little more rapidly than I thought, so I might get done with this thing today, Curtis. We'll see. Okay. okay. And so, Colossians 1 uh, verse, uh, let's go to verse 18, uh, talking about Jesus. It says, He is the head of the body, the church. hmm And so the church of Jesus Christ is a body. It's an organ. It's a living organism, really. A living organism. A living, breathing, visible, assembling organism of people of like faith who get together. Uh, at least once a week on the, on what we call the Lord's Day. We, we've called it that forever since I was been a, a little child. And I went to church with my mom and dad every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and frequently on Wednesday nights. It was more difficult because my dad uh, sometimes had to work overtime on Wednesdays. But uh, we were there and we heard the gospel and we were, we were taught the Bible. We were assembling together. And the church is a is, is is a body. It's a it's a of believers that has that that moves and lives and breathes and works. And the church, the local assembly, is a place where we could enjoy the fellowship of other believers. I wrote a booklet on the church. Is the church going? Is the church growing? Is the church glowing? But the church is a place. The local church is a place. Now, there's the church universal, Mm -hmm. but there are local assemblies which comprise. They are assemblies of born-again, saved people, Mm -hmm. believers in Jesus Christ. And they get together to hear the word of God and to have fellowship one with another. Right. And then after they hear the word of God and have the fellowship and leave the building, then they need to practice in the world in which they or we live, practice the fellowship. Now Jesus said, go ye into all the world and make disciples. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to go to every nation. Now you and I and and my lovely wife, Sharon, sitting on my right hand taking notes, and, and, and I'm trying to keep her awake. <laughs> <You're in trouble. laughs> She's not doing well. Pray for her. But uh, uh, where was I going with this? Well, we are, we are to, to uh, have fellowship together. And yeah. then we are to practice fellowship uh, uh, of, of the commands and uh, the commandments of, of, of God and practice them in our daily lives, in our homes, and in a world in which we live. Curtis, uh, I know, is witnessing to a young lady uh, at a, a, I I don't want to say the name of a store, but a particular store, a variety type store in our neighborhood. And and every time he goes in there, she's got another question about the Bible because she knows who he is and what he is and what he knows. And the world should know that about we who are members of this body of Jesus Christ. We're the body and the bones. By the way, the Holy Spirit provides the breath. All right. So the church is a bride. The church is a body. And the church is called and is referred to as a building. Uh, We see in the Bible that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone ephesians chapter 2 verse 20 you don't build a building unless you lay the foundation and the foundation is based on a cornerstone and that's where you get the angles of the walls and the material for the foundation and that's the cornerstone. And Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone of the Jesus of the church which is His building. So the church we've seen so far is a bride, it's a body,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's a building. Turn quickly back to chapter 5 of Ephesians. If you can hear the turning of our pages, that's what we're doing. There's three people turning Bible pages at this table. Uh, three people who love the Word of God, by the way. And so in chapter 5 of Ephesians, verse 27, we see the purpose of, it says this with regard to the husbands and wives he says 30
0: seconds pastor
1: okay it says it says that he might sanctify, cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish and that's the purpose of the church. We're going to take a sh- short break. Be right back. Reboot